Welcome, Patreons, back to the Facts of Geek Life. I am the titular Charlie Carden, coming at you with a very old friend of mine, a subject matter expert in what we're going to be talking about today. And if you haven't tuned into the show before, what we talk about is uh, classic seasons of classic shows. We take four or five episodes and we break it down. So like I said, reaching out to a subject matter expert, which is what I decided to do, I'm bringing you my other college roommate, my first college roommate before the titular Todd Oxtra, uh, that would be John Sear coming in from the Pacific Northwest. How are you today, my friend? Long, well. long time, uh, long ago contributor to the Secret Friends Unite Network, but we've had you off. Uh, you, you've been off for a while because, uh, you know, the, the, the grind you know, you're like, man, you know, I'm just, I'm not reading stuff. I'm not interested in talking about stuff. But when this came back around again, and we had a chance to talk about something that you really dig and you really wanted to talk about, boom, I found a way to bring you back because I've been trying to bring you back for a while. So this is perfect. I love it. Doctor Who is usually a good way to draw me back into something. <laughs> Aha. And and we have drawn, but not painted you into a, into a corner because we wouldn't no, want to do that. No. But yeah, we're going to be talking about uh, Doctor Who. This is series nine. And, you know, give me a give me like the Reader's Digest version of kind of the return of Doctor Who, because it was it was a series in the 60s and the 70s and even the 80s a little bit, if I'm not mistaken. Then it was just gone for a while. Yeah, I was really pretty late to the party, to be honest, with with Doctor Who. And one thing I don't know a lot about was actually what brought the show back i know it came back in 2005 right they're about a 14 or so year uh hiatus i know it ended in the 80s um there was obviously classic who ran a long time quite a few years 20 something plus years i think from the 60s into the mid 80s they went through seven different iterations or regenerations of the doctor man Um, man. but uh, for whatever reason, and I, I don't know all the details of it, but it kind of went away. They, they they pulled the plug on it in the, in the mid to late 80s. Um, they did try a movie uh, to bring it back uh, that did not do very well, but it is kind of a bit of a cult classic. The doctor uh, was played in that movie by Paul McGann. Okay. Uh, and that was his only appearance as the doctor. Oh um, boy. He was the <laughs> not, doctor. He had one movie, one shot. They wow. did a weird, hey, the doctor is actually half human, half time lord, and it was eh, not real well received. Yeah. People liked him. And he's done a lot of audio dramas and he's actually shown up in a couple of uh, like they did like the little webisodes around some of the uh, like the fiftieth anniversary special they did. They oh like eight minute kind of uh they gave him his opportunity to have his regeneration scene. Essentially. Oh, very. Oh, that's that's pretty cool. That was yeah, pretty not cool. a not a rousing success when they're like, "All right, we're giving you a roll of the dice." Was it like a TV movie or was it like theatrical? Or I have to I have to say I don't know if it was theatrical. It probably was theatrical in Britain. I would guess. Yeah. They, they yeah. tend to show a lot of these episodes in the theaters, like season openers and season enders in the theaters. Yeah. Um, as well as beyond, uh, you know, BBC. But um, I ended up getting the movie on DVD to check that out. And uh, it, it wasn't very impressive. <laughs> <laughs> I 
don't resonate too much with the uh, the older classic who I've watched quite a few stories. They're not bad. They're just, you know, they're obviously made from a different time. They right. Have, they're, you know, they're over the top monsters of the week, low budget. Mm-hmm. You know, the funny thing with the doctor is like half the season's just him running down corridors. <laughs> you know, it, you know, I think um, like any of those old shows, I mean, you right. didn't have the technology to have really great effects. So you knew you were looking at ridiculous rubber mask monsters and terrible. <laughs> stuff. But that's right. also what made it kind of fun, you know? Yeah. Like, goofy side. And you know, like probably from the, the first Star Trek show, you've, you've got some of that. Yeah. That's yeah, what I was. Similar. <laughs> yeah. That's what I was thinking of too. If you look at the early first season and certainly the third season, which we just watched this long documentary about the making of Star Trek over the, the 55 years, they had cut and slashed the budget. They were trying to get it canceled by making it put in a bad time slot and not giving them a lot of money. Um, so yeah, you ended up with, and it's funny cause when the show hit its 40th anniversary, they, they rolled back out and redid a lot of the, most all of the, the outboard ship opticals and stuff. So they look gorgeous. They look very, you know, 21st century, but yeah, you know, you know, rock monsters like the famous Kirk versus the lizard man, the Gorn, yeah. where they're throwing the big styrofoam rocks at each other, you know? Yeah, exactly. But it's weird because that, that seems to have more of a, more of a what am i looking for a, like a fondness of it where the doctor who stuff like i watched a couple of those that you tipped me off to and i was like oh my god <laughs> and and not all of them really exist anymore so i know that that was because they're all on brit box or something we watched the uh, this one on hbo max listeners yeah. if you feel like tuning into doctor who that's where they're all they're all there right now pretty pretty much all the modern ones are there the now new who, the ones that started new, <laughs> new who yeah it's called that's the kind of the uh, the reference you have, it's called new who classic who gotcha yeah but classic who's over over on the bird box you know our our good buddy todd could probably explain to us all the licensing that goes into why absolutely can't be on with a new who but right um, you've got to find brit box has some of them and you know the early seasons um first few years the first doctor and the second doctor that was at a time when the bbc would tape over existing episodes <laughs> or new episodes. So there are lost episodes out there that are still never been seen. Oh my God. Well, they don't exist. Season. Yeah. Like you said, um, yeah. Every once in a while, some strange occurrence happens where somebody finds an old doctor who episode they happen to have on tape somewhere in some country randomly. Like I think someone in Africa came across <laughs> a tape. Uh, in some studio that had one of these episodes of Doctor Who that everyone thought was lost. So that comes out. But, uh, you know, it's, it's very funny. Um, yeah. We're just the, the thought of, well, you you don't have the storage space that you have to tape right. over things to put. Well, things yeah, it's what George Lucas wishes he could have done with a holiday special. <laughs> <laughs> but it but it just didn't work out. So, um, all right, let's let's dig in. So 2005, the, the show comes back and that was Doctor number Doctor number nine. Doctor. Yeah. Christopher Eccleston. He was the start of new. He kind of launched it. Yeah. And we can talk about that if we do a Christopher Eccleston uh, conversation. But he uh, really, we're talking about, you know, funny effects and cheap sets, low budget. You could tell they weren't really sure this was going to take back off again. (laughs) Right, right. Um, but it, it did. It, it, it really 
only kickstarted again because he did so well. He played it such a good part. Um, there are terrible episodes in that season, but also some really good ones too. Yes. But even now, even now, if you look back, it's only 18 years ago. It is a very dated uh, season to watch. <laughs> yeah. No, that's awesome. And you know what? And we jump forward a few years and that's when we get into what we're talking about here, which is series nine. And I, I thought, for the most part, visually, it didn't look dreadful, but it definitely looked dated, but probably better um, than, than kind of what you're describing and certainly better than what you're going to find on friggin' well, Ritbox. So without it out. Series 9 was in 2015, so yeah, huh? walking yeah. just seven, eight years ago. But again, even though it looks a lot more polished than the older stuff, it's still Doctor Who. There's still nods to, hey, we're still going to go around and fight silly monsters. But right looks upgraded from what it used to look like Um, right there is a big change i think i noticed uh i think it's around season five when matt smith comes in is when the the look looks a lot more okay they've got a budget now um but where they spend the budget, it's like, all right, it looks great, but then you still got some silly prop monsters and stuff. <laughs> yeah, right. The, rece- the recycled set pieces was uh, a stalwart of the um, the kind of the golden age of Star Trek with TNG and DS9 and Voyager. And even all the way through Enterprise, even though there were different time periods, you would still see, oh, there's, the, like, there's this one prop that had like these two long clear cylinders that would just it would rotate a little color through and that came from it was a set piece from the wrath of khan and it was in every one of those shows is that that, all right it'd be really random but is that the thing in the movie airplane 2 that Shatner makes a joke about that all we can see is go back and forth we have no idea what they do (laughs) it could be because that came out in 1982 which is when wrath of khan came out so if that happened to have been you know something that Paramount Pictures spend a lot of money on. They're probably going to get all the, the use out of it that they can. But um, yeah, that awesome. Funny, but Good deal. All right. Let's, uh, <laughs> let's, let's jump in. So you chose five episodes. You said, I'm going to give you four, and then I'm going to give you a, I'm going to give you a hamburger here. I'm going to give you a lemon uh, of a lousy one. And you said, and you figure out which the bad one is, and it's just it wasn't that hard. Um, but <laughs> let's get started. How do you want to do this? Do you want me to read the summary? Do you want to read the summary? What, what What's kind of the way that you want to, you want to flavor this? Um, well, I want to just do a quick little background on why I chose season nine. Oh, cool. Um, yes, please. For, for your first one. Um, and just to kind of give an overall kind of idea of what happens during that season, because we're looking at pieces. Um, and I'm sure you noticed as you watch, especially the last couple episodes, there are some parts that probably would have benefited from seeing some stuff earlier. Some breadcrumbs got dropped along the way because it is Maybe. It an overarching series, but it's off. Yeah. It's a thing here or there. It's like you can't piece right. it together. <laughs> Very true. Yes, I did. I was like, oh, I mean, I know what a Dalek is. And then they're talking about Cybermen. And then they're talking about this person and that person. I'm like, yeah, okay. Well, it was easy to figure out, certainly in this first episode, you know, his his classic, his nemesis in there. It was a, a nemesis that he had some background, that uh, Dar, Darvosia was somebody he had some background with. So that wasn't so difficult. So, yeah. But anyway. Okay. So I'm going to read a quick little summary just so we have an overarching idea uh, for background. And then I'll let you... Uh We'll get into the first episode that we watched. All right, cool. So, uh, so series nine, and just personally, this is my favorite season of all of the new Who. So this is the one that I go to. It's got my favorite doctor. It's got my favorite companion. And I think it's their strongest season together. 
Um, and I also love uh, Michelle Gomez, who plays the character of Missy, and she's oh, in a yeah. few of these episodes. So great. So, oh, my so God. There's so many good things in Series 9. Um, it's like, this is the way I like to show people um, what the show can be. Um, so Series 9 is the second series uh, that stars Peter Capaldi as the 12th Doctor. Uh, and I think most people would know, but essentially the Doctor is an alien Time Lord. Uh, travels through time and space in his TARDIS, disguised as an old British police box. Awesome. Series 9 also uh, has Jenna Coleman as the Doctor's companion, Clara Oswald. Baby. Her third mm. and also her final series. In the, in oh, the- oh, my heart. That was uh, a tough one. Also, uh, in Series 9, uh, you have Michelle Gomez, who returns as Missy, who is actually the... She's also a Time Lord... Uh, She's known primarily as the master uh, who has been the doctor's foil ever since back to s- classic who series three with the third doctor. So he's a recurring character for a oh, long really? time. Yeah. But, I, but obviously not the same actress as she probably no, responded. No, 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 no. Oh, no, yeah, yeah, yeah. In fact, she was the first female uh, iteration of the master and that oh, was gotcha. a series eight reveal. Uh, so we missed that, but also, uh, a recurring role that year in series nine, you had Maisie Williams playing a character named a shielder. Oh my goodness. Was I was a Viking girl. Um, we didn't watch these episodes, but she was a Viking girl that was made immortal by the doctor, which leads to major events resulting throughout series nine involving the doctor kind of keeping an eye on each other. Mm-hmm. Um, that does wrap up in the 12th episode that we skip. Uh, we didn't watch it. You know. Yeah. But the main story arc of the series revolves around a mystery of a being called the hybrid, which is a combination of two great warrior races. Uh, the doctor's investigation into this being ultimately leads him back to his home planet of Gallifrey, which returns fully in the series. Uh, and series nine, just to make a note to back up my claim, I think it's the, the best one received acclaim from critics with many labeling it as the show's strongest season to date. So nice this series uh, again, I think only has one really bad episode and a couple of meh episodes, but mm-hmm. the majority of it is really, really good. Yeah. Yeah. So uh, what we did then is I gave you five episodes. I started off with the first two episodes of the season, which were a two-parter. In fact, most of series nine is a series of two-part episodes. Um, There's one or two that I think are lone individual standing episodes and then a very loose three-parter to finish the the series off. But a lot of, you know, hour and a half stories, really. Right. Right. Which I love. I mean, you see that 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 is you know, a hallmark of, of present day because so much stuff is arc based and you'll get, you know, 10 episodes of a season will be a single story, um, you know, and the 26 episodes where, you know, eight of them are crap, which was the old days of sci-fi like TNG, um, ha- have fallen by the wayside in a lot of cases. And But I like this. I like this interconnected story play. And these and these were some great episodes. So, yeah. Yeah. So um, first episode then was the uh, the Magician's Apprentice, which is the series opener for series nine. Mm-hmm. Why don't I turn that over to you, Charlie, if you have a little summary? Uh, excellent. Yes. Yeah. 
So, uh, and this was written by Stephen Moffat, uh, and he's the, he's the big dude, the showrunner. His name is is synonymous with with Modern Who. So, the Doctor attempts to rescue a boy in a battlefield, but upon discovering that the boy is a young Davros, who he finds out is a, an arch nemesis of his, abandons him and then goes missing. Uh, back on Earth, Clara is summoned by Unit, which is like Shield, if I'm not mistaken. They're kind of like they're like a, a, like the Ghostbusters or something yeah, like that. The third Doctor, way back in classic Who, they set up the oh gosh you know i'm i don't remember the uh acronym what it means off the top of my head but they're essentially they have a way to communicate with the doctor they try to look for alien stuff on earth so in a oh, way so like, like men in black kind of like that but yeah okay probably a, a good also analogy you know Gotcha. It's also not very effective, to be honest. (laughs) Right. Oh, my goodness. So, yeah, she gets summoned by unit because all these aircraft are freezing in the sky and they find out that Missy is responsible. And so then the then Missy and Clara are together uh, and they got to track down the doctor. They find his last will and testament and they track him to Essex in England in the year 1138, where he's been having a big party with a tank and he's got a he's got a electric guitar and now he's wearing sunglasses instead of having his traditional screwdriver, which I thought was pretty sweet. Um, they they reunite, reunite with him. And then this this bad guy, Colony Sarf, which I think is an awesome name. And he's just he's a snake in robes, which is just like uh, that's that's as, that is that's as metal as it gets. I love that you, shit. You know what else is cool? Sarf is actually the Welsh word for serpent. <laughs> Ooh, somebody somebody did their homework. I, I love it. I know that until fairly recently. I, I was, oh, that's oh gosh. I hope it's the Welsh word, not Scottish. I think it's Welsh, but yeah, it means serpent in one of the the languages out there. So it's one of those kind of oh, what a cool name, but also kind of lazy. But <laughs> I like his design. Cool. He's cool. It was it was cool, but it was lazy. Uh, so anyway, the three the three of them end up on this far flung station, um, which Missy figures out is the planet is Scaro, which is the home of the Daleks. And the Daleks are great; they're little tanks with with basically kitchen appliances hanging off the front, and all they, they flip up and down, and they say exterminate. It's like it's it's very low budget, but you clearly tell that they're they're trying to update it for this. So they get captured, and they appear to to kill both of the ladies. And destroy the TARDIS, but the Doctor uh, is uh, trapped with a very aged form of Davros, all hooked up to stuff. He looks like the Borg Queen, you know, for Star Trek parlance. Um, but then he returns. Uh, th- this ends up putting him back in that battlefield at the beginning, holding a weapon like he's gonna shoot the little boy. If I'm if if, if I'm remembering correctly, now I got to scroll back through my notes. Anyway, to be continued. Part one of part one of two. So holy crap. I yeah. loved it. Oh, I'm, I'm glad you did. I love this episode. I think it's my favorite episode that starts a season. Um, series eight was, you know, Capaldi's first season. There was a lot of trying to figure out what they were going to do with them. You know, he, they were trying to have him be kind of a grumpier version similar to maybe some of the older classic who doctors but you know they also didn't really want that to be the way it went with them the series eight's a little uneven because they're trying to figure out who he is and how to get him to own the character not of any fault of capaldi because he's amazing i mean he, he crazy good actor um and then there was you know chemistry trying to figure out how to work him with clara after she had worked with matt smith and his doctor um Series nine, I think they all come into their own and he just comes out 
on a tank playing yeah. guitar with sonic sunglasses now i just, know it's so metal i love it just that's good stuff yeah and he just goes into all the dad joke puns with the people in england from the you know 12th century and um, <laughs> it's you know one of the things like i think when when missy says with the doctor is like well where's the doctor going to go when he knows you know he's got this confession dial like okay something's up something is so something has scared the doctor enough that he's going to kind of go and just have a party and doesn't care about the rules anymore. It's like something is really off with him, um, which scares her. And when nothing scares the master or, or Missy, um, right. So, you know, like, well, where's he going to go? And one of the funny jokes with um, doctor who is you can go anywhere in all of space and time, but 70% of the time they're in England. Right, <laughs> exactly. It's like, you know what? It's like Star Wars and Tatooine. You know, it's true. Yeah. But also the cheaper sets are in England, you know, since that's what they're <laughs> Yeah, right. So, yeah, he goes back and he comes out on that tank in the guitar. It's just, they are leaning in hard to the f- more fun aspects of what Peter Capaldi can do. And mm-hmm. that's kind of where they take him from that point forward, which is why I really love that series. It's they figured out who he's going to be. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. that episode just everything about that opening is fun to me it sets the whole tone um and i absolutely love the pairing of missy and clara together um they're a fantastic little group they have they really stand out in the next episodes so we not to get too yeah bad, but oh man um, no not, no that was totally and um yeah i don't i didn't see anything in my notes that went too far outside of it. I did love Clara as a school teacher, a naughty school teacher, maybe. J- John and I are both totally obsessed with Clara, by the way, if you hadn't picked up uh, <laughs> listening to this, because uh, I can't, ex- you know what? If you don't get it, I can't explain it to you. So yeah. never mind. Watch the episodes, <laughs> you'll find out. Oh. Uh, so during this episode, um, when, the, when the doctor's playing his electric guitar, um, he's teaching the medieval people, you know, terms like dude and uh, dude, you know, dude, dude, where's my tank? Yeah. Dude, where's my <laughs> tank? But it kind of reminded me, <clears throat> this, <clears throat> sorry, uh, last, this last rewatch mm-hmm. reminded me a little bit of like Bill and Ted um, <laughs> going back in time saying, Rufus. dude, talking about right. the best uh, water park and all San Dimas or whatever. <laughs> <laughs> Things yeah. are afoot at the circle K or at the, the, the I don't, whatever yeah. the hell English equivalent would be. Yeah, I don't know what it would be. There's some, I, I guess I don't know. But um, another thing that they did in season eight, once or twice, they had the doctor, um, you know, had a guitar in the TARDIS. That's never been in the TARDIS before. The doctor's never really played guitar. He's There was one episode where he had a cold open of, a, of an episode where he played a little something on the guitar. And, you know, I should have known it at the time, but didn't actually learn this when I got into a YouTube vortex of old, like Craig Ferguson. Talk oh, show. No. <laughs> yeah, uh, Peter Capaldi played the guitar and was in a punk rock band called the dream boys with oh my Craig God. Ferguson in the what? 80s. Oh my God. Yeah. Oh my God. So, they, so he's out there. That's him playing guitar. It's like, he knows what he's doing. And He's it was pump. pretty cool. Like, okay, they integrated that part of Capaldi's real life into that's funny. Oh my goodness, the doctor. So, you know, when he pulls that guitar out, it's like, okay, haha, wink, wink. 
the doctor now plays guitar, but it's actually Capaldi just likes playing guitar. So he's going to do it. <laughs> it's kind of the same thing. And it's much less cool. But with Jonathan Frakes, who is Riker on TNG, plays the trombone and they work that into the, the characters. Mm-hmm. Arc. But, you know, what's sexy about the trombone? Mm-hmm. I know it's, it's not the guitar. It's not it's not, a, you know, it's not its own rock band. You know, there's no rock band unless it's ska music, I guess. So anyway, yeah. uh, let's move this along. So we got part two. Ooh, you know, and they gave us the big like, oh, at the end of this, you know, Missy got zapped and Clara Clara got zapped and they're both dead. And of course, you know, you're like, there's got to be some way around this. But <laughs> all right. Part two. Again, uh, we had the same creatives on this. Stephen Moffat uh, writing. Hitty McDonald was doing the directing. Um, using the Dalek energy, Missy was able to power her teleport for her and Clara and they escaped. Okay, you saw that coming. Uh, the two attempt to find the doctor, and they go into this. I love this. They go into the sewers, which the sewers, because Daleks don't, you know, do number one and number two. But because they never die, they just, like, turn into goo. And that's what's in the, the sewers is just Dalek consciousness, like, dripping off the walls. It's really it's kind of jacked up. Um, while they're down there, a, a, a normally alive Dalek uh, confronts them. They kill it. And then Clara climbs inside of it, which is like, you know, that, 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 that I, I wouldn't have done that. <laughs> it just kind of had a bad vibe. So um, the doctor is back with the old, you know, Davros, and he's, he's starting to feel better you know, bad about having abandoned him when he was a, a boy. And uh, so the doctor says, you know, I'll give him a little bit of my juice and maybe that'll save his life. But guess what? That's a trap. Davros had been, you know, playing on his sympathies the whole time. And he sucks up that regeneration juice and he starts powering up the little city. I love the little city with the little, when you saw it from a great distance, all the Daleks kind of flying around in circles and going up and down. Like they look like little slider dials on a, on a recording board. They're like, doot, doot, doot. Um, but, uh, yeah, yeah. So the, but it does restore the energy to the, to the dead Daleks who want to kill the alive Daleks. So you just started a Dalek civil war, which is pretty sweet. Um, Dr. And Missy encounter, uh, Clara's Dalek. She tries to trick the doctor into killing her, but fails and asks for mercy. And this is where you find the back and forth. Anytime the Dalek wants to say something like, I love you. They just say, I want to kill you or something. Exterminate. Yeah. Exterminate. Yeah. So every, every Dalek loves you. That's the, <laughs> when they're saying exterminate, they just really want to, they want, they, they want to hug. So. Yeah. That whole um, part where Missy's telling Clara to say things like say you're different than me. And then she says it, but the Dalek says exterminate. And yeah, exactly. Very limited. It's like, it's like Klingons, you know, uh, today is a good day to die. Um, so anyway, Missy uses this as a chance to get away. Um, the doctor does pull his sunglasses out. He gets the TARDIS back, which of course it avoided destruction through automated systems because, you know, okay, that's all, that's a trope, that's a trope right there. You think, oh, all is lost and everybody's dead. And then the next episode, everybody's fine. Um, he then goes back to the battlefield where he does rescue, uh, young Davros and helps him get home. So he, in the end of it. Uh, set everything back in motion again, but he had his conscience at the end of it. So, what a su- what a super cool two parter! I love that. Yeah, it was it really great. Um, how you know the the theme of the two episodes uh, really goes back to, and in fact, they even play some excerpts of classic Who uh, episodes where the Doctor and Davros had had confrontations before. You know. Um, where the fourth doctor, the fourth doctor even asks Davros and they play this clip. I think it's in the first episode, actually in the magician's apprentice where, 
you know, the doctor says, if someone who knew the future pointed out a child to you and told you that child would grow up to be totally evil and ruthless dictator and would destroy millions of lives, could you kill that child? You'd be like, fuck them kids. (laughs) Right. So like the doctor, clearly, you know, he's guilty and has shame for the fact that it looked like he didn't help Davros, you know, when he was stuck in that field at the beginning of the first episode and he abandoned him to die. Right. Um, but, you know, he survived and it looks like, uh, you know, Davros remembers and hates the doctor and, and whatnot. At the end of, which is familiar, um, which it's kind of like the misdirection cliffhanger from Sir- this, the first episode when the doctor mm-hmm. goes back. So I'm going to save my friend anyway. I know how and look, he's going to shoot Davros. Well, he's actually shooting all the little hand mines around him because when they encounter Clara in the Dalek and she asks for mercy, he's like, a Dalek shouldn't know that concept of mm-hmm. mercy. And so the end of the episode where he goes back to where it all started at the beginning of the first episode with little Davros, you know, he takes <laughs> him and shows him some mercy which has this little tiny effect, at least, that the concept of mercy is hidden away in there somewhere deep down in the Dalek consciousness because Davros would show mercy. Uh, you know, again, you could say, eh, that's like a do sex machina type thing, you know. Totally. It's not for who, it's loosey goosey. It's like he says um, when he gets inside the Dalek and goes in and confronts them. Um, and he's like, the real question is, where did I get this cup of tea? You know, it's like, I'm the doctor, just accept it. You know, it's like Doctor Who. It's like, <laughs> <laughs> it's just not hardcore sci-fi. It's some right. sci-fi, but it's goofy nonsense. Right. It's don't ask, enjoy. It's kind of a lot of what Doctor Who asks sometimes. And yeah. for people who get really into the, well, I can't suspend my disbelief, or this doesn't make any sense. Well, well why are you, you watching sci-fi anyway then? Yeah, yeah, exactly. <laughs> you're fighting little uh, octopus creatures inside pepper pots with the plunger on their, you know, pasting. <laughs> you're... You're, you're not going to like get real hardcore stuff. Just the doctor can do it. And, right. Um, the, <laughs> this episode, though, um, started off with Missy sort of explaining how she was able to save herself and Clara with this little fancy transporter energy wristwatch, whatever. This right. also explained, um, you didn't see this because we skipped right to series nine, but the season eight, Missy, you know, died um but she used this same thing to get out of it and right so that's kind of explained of where she came from and in gotcha. fact, actually you know what's funny now that i think about it um in you know this episode when he's got the the cup of tea and he says well where'd it come from don't worry about it i'm the doctor accept it in the first episode, when, when missy showed up um you know she had that you know when she had stopped all the planes and then her head comes out of the screen and she goes yeah that's me i'm back not dead get over it whatever is it doesn't matter. Nah. <laughs> like, yeah. Break, kind of breaking the fourth wall. Oh. She's talking to everybody um, in in that in that way. Um, but one of my favorite parts of this episode um, is, and it really highlights M- Missy Michelle Gomez just has such a fun time screaming and laughing and goofing while they're in the sewers, killing Daleks, blowing things up. But then she's right. also like, so she's like goofy but she's also deliciously evil because then she turns on a dime with how she tries to get the doctor to just kill her friend or kill the friend yeah, right. like he doesn't know it's just so uncomfortable but it's like this is exactly what the master would do this is what missy missy is kind of to doctor who what i would say loki is to to marvel 
Um, yeah. It's, he's a villain for sure. Right. But also anti-hero sometimes. Right. Uh, you know, and they're the, you know, for a long time, they're, they're more or less the only two time Lords you really ever get on screen. They've gone through times where they're the only two, the last two. Well, they're maybe not the last two, but they are the two right. that go back and forth for a long way. You'll find that's the case with uh, like Kang and Marvel, which is now more of a thing. You get the, you know, with the Ant-Man movie coming out and he was in Loki season two, that it's that And Todd and I just covered this in one of our other Patreon shows where we did a little mini series where he's never really dead because he came from the future, but he went to the past and they split off and he did this and that. And so, yeah, it's, it's kind of the same, the same bit. It's that you can't really kill it off because the permutations of the multiverse, which just works so great for everybody that can can be used to uh, expunge out a, a multitude of sins. But um, yeah. I, I really dig on this one myself. What are some of the, some of the other things from my notes? Yeah, what, uh, yeah, were, what, yeah. What do you got, Charlie? What did you think? This is the first time you've seen these, right? Yes, absolutely. No, I loved, uh, I love the overtones um, between, kind of the Borg vibe uh, of Davros because he's very with the wires hanging loose and he's on like a little uh, segue to get around his little wheels and stuff because he's like a thousand years old. And I swore even the first time I watched this, I'm like, is that Ian McDermott? Because my God, it's so close to Palpatine. He even says some of the same lines that he, I wrote on here. He says, let me look on you with my own eyes, which was Vader's line from Return of the Jedi. Uh, I swear, you know, there's, there's a lot of overtones. I think a few of the Daleks that we see in kind of little meeting room had r2d2's like color scheme to him there was just there was a lot of mishmash between the borg and kind of the the return of the jedi vibe in this for me uh, i love the sewer bit that's awesome you know the daleks are eternal but when they finally break down they just turn into goo but they're even more pissed off and so they're just looking for any opportunity to come back so it's just like oh my god and this was it was no it was the cybermen that with the Matt Smith Doctor Who, there was a comic book crossover with TNG that involved the Borg. But I, I you know, I, I like the Daleks more. And I don't know, this is without knowing a ton about the Cybermen, but I, I think I just think the Daleks are great. And maybe it's my exposure to them was the um Lego Dimensions video game, the one where that I played with my kids for years, where you have little Lego bits and you put them down on the pad and then they're in the game. And one of the worlds was Doctor Who. So I learned a lot from that but the Daleks were always kind of my favorite but th this was an awesome one you know and it had a little moral at the end of the story with the doctor a little character development where he you know learned something about himself and so I just I love that this was this was pretty great yeah the um the Daleks they you know clearly they're an old classic who a uh, monster villain um but there's not really um I think one of the things that they've had trouble with new who uh now this is not my opinion because I still, I love the Daleks. I think they're hilarious. I think they can be threatening. I think that they're entertaining as can be. Um, but you know, they're not really a great modern age villain. They move around so slowly and they just yeah, barely right. decade. Um, and some people uh, in the fandom uh, feel like the, the Daleks are cartoon versions of themselves. Now they're not really a threat. They're made to kind of be ridiculous, but I love them. I think they're just a fun. Yeah. Um, the things that they say um, crack me up still, even on multiple rewatches. I, I love it when something doesn't go to plan and they start panicking and they're like, explain, explain, explain. <laughs> it's like it's incomprehensible that they don't understand what could have gone wrong. And, error, error, error. Uh, yeah, exactly. <laughs> um, that, and, uh, 
That, go ahead, please. Oh, I was going to say, and oh, the other thing with Dabro, so yeah, there is definitely a Palpatine type of vibe to his voice, you know, and, and he is the ultimate evil. I mean, he is the creator of the Daleks. Um, and some of the things they deal with was in, in you know, the, the meat of these episodes is the interaction, really, between the Doctor mm-hmm. and Davros, you know, a lot of moral compass type of conversation and Davros asking if, you know, if he's a good man, it's actually a mirror because in Series 8, the Doctor is asking Clara as he's trying to figure himself out, you know, am I actually a good man? You know, so there's a lot of, hey, Davros and the Doctor, um, you guys have a lot in common, actually, even though one's a genocidal maniac. Um you could actually argue that Doctor has done a lot of Im- immoral things too to his own code and can bend the rules. A lot of gray. Yeah. Can Davros not do that too? You know, um, so it's it's interesting because you also have the Doctor. Then um, you know Davros ultimately tricked him, which is oh shock. Davros tricked him. Um, yeah, right. The bad guy did a bad thing. Oh, yeah. I can't believe it. But, you know, he's he's doing all he can at the end there to try to save his arch nemesis, even though he knows it's going to hurt him in the end. He's just going to, if I do save Davros, he's going to do something evil again in the future to my own. Uh, you know, it's going to bite me essentially. Right. And, and by the end of series nine, you know, he goes to great lengths to try to save Clara, and you don't see this in episode 12 which i'm going to say you should watch episode 12 just to get closure on that because mm-hmm. might be back i'm you know just saying um ends up please <laughs> I guess I doing all he can to save her is like the most disastrous thing he could ever do so it's kind of this he's refusing to lose people um and even his enemies he's like i don't want to lose them it's almost like he's been around so long that these people in a weird way kind of even are like his friends you know, right. They're my enemies, but hey, I'm familiar with them, and that's all I've got. You know, he's like 1,300 years old or whatever. So yeah, right. That's he's a not tough good one. At making new friends because he he loses everybody all the time. You know, right. A lifespan of thousands of years. <laughs> I mean, companions are mostly humans that don't live that long. <laughs> yeah, right. Even Thor managed to make friends because he was 1,500 years old, and he was still managed to be friends with you know people on Earth and like. Uh, uh, what's his butt, the rock guy who was voiced, and now I'm drawing a blank, and and Mick, and, you know, the Guardians of the Galaxy, so, you know, maybe t- take some life lessons from that, so, oh, I had one last note, I love it, when Missy, this is obviously, uh, punctuates her character, she goes to leave and to say goodbye to Davro, she pokes him in his third eye, and then she's like, goodbye! <laughs> yeah. No one's thought to do that before, you know? <laughs> yeah, exactly. Boop! She gave him a boop. <laughs> well, I'm glad you enjoyed that two part. That that is a really they're really good episodes. They're fun. I don't necessarily think they're maybe the best episodes to start someone who's never watched Doctor Who with, but mm-hmm. I, with a little bit of some background and just base knowledge of some of the characters from even a really high level, yeah. they're just good episodes and they're fun. Even if you don't really know everything going on or the whole weight of the backstory, right? Um, which is also, um, you know, and so the last thing I want to say about these two is the titles were a little weird, Magician's Apprentice and Which is Familiar. Um, mm-hmm. But um, it took me longer than I care to admit that I figured out essentially the titles of those episodes both refer to Clara as the doctor who's the magician she's the apprentice mm-hmm. in the first episode and in the second episode which is familiar she's with missy that whole episode she's oh. good of the doctor and the bad of the master and she's on both sides of it throughout this two gotcha. um so it's just kind of an interesting little play on the words like yeah okay, what, what's clara picking up here and it kind of goes it feeds into this clara's becoming more and more like the doctor she wants to seek out more and more you know 
world saving type of adventures and she's thinking and becoming and more like these time Lord people, even though she's a human and it, it might spoiler come back to bite her in the end that <laughs> what? Oh no. Yes. But curiosity. Let's not, let's not get there. Let's go to the next one, which uh, you, uh, I'm assuming this is going to be the one that you're going to be like, yeah, thanks for this one. <laughs> yeah. Th- this was, yeah, this was the, this was the, the, at the bottom of the bin, I get the feeling they're like, Oh, we got to squeeze in one more. It, but, and again, this was, it was at episode nine of the season. Am I reading these correctly? Uh, yeah. Yes. Episode, episode nine of the season. Uh, so this is sleep no more. And it, I, we, I notice this all the time on Code 47 when we're talking about Star Trek episodes. When you have a director and a writer that are names that don't just jump out at you, you know, you, you kind of get a feeling you might be in for like, yeah, we bought this script off of somebody because we really needed to, to vamp it. But uh, yeah, so th- this uh, centers around and again, it's a found footage format, which it's a trope that gets old. Let's face it, when we all saw... Um, what the hell was the Blair Witch back in 1999? Oh my God, this is so crazy because it could have really happened, but blah, 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 blah. And then it just it just became, and this was 15 years after that, it just kind of became Trope City. So a four-person team arrives on Triton, which is a moon of Saturn, Neptune. It's one of those big moons. Uh, at a lab at lab in a space station in the 38th century, around Neptune. I'm sorry, it does say that right here. And the station has fallen silent. Again, you're watching this through all this video. As they're walking through uh, with their you know body cams, they run into the doctor and Clara. Hello. And they say they're assessing things. And they meet this science guy, Rasmussen. You already really don't like him because he seems like he's kind of a... He, you know who he was is what I wrote in my notes. He's Paul Reiser's character from Aliens. He's Carter Burke. That's who he is. And you'll see kind of his things evolve that it really falls. So anyway, Rasmussen he's the last survivor and the creator of these big pods called Morpheus, which reduces the time people are allowed to sleep and they can work more, which remind me of the, that like super racist, like comedy gung ho from the early eighties about a, a town in Pennsylvania that the Japanese bought an auto parts and all people want to do is work all the time. Um, so, but what it does is that it uh, it mutates the person inside into this weird little creature uh, that's carnivorous because, you know, why wouldn't it be called the Sandmen? And so the, the four-person team is on the run for them, um, but Rasmussen is planning to use the rescue ship uh to leave them all there, go to the moon, and then releases Morpheus there with the Sandman and... Is not, because it's now become spread by spore, so it's like you know, it's like a the Walker virus, or it's like the in the Walking Dead, the the the, the thing that it kills everybody there. So the, the doctor uh, destroys the station shields. They send it uh, spinning into Neptune, um, and then they you know he quickly figures out he yeah he figures out uh, how Morpheus is spread, and that the story just seems to be totally fake and uh the doctor and clara and i think the one surviving person of the four-man team escape because the other, the other ones get whacked off by the same they get eaten or whatever um that horrible song mr sandman keeps playing over and over again that old song from the 50s so that got old real quick um you find out rasmussen is a sandman and he obviously put it all together but the doctor defeats him of course uh, and all is well. Yeah, that final shot is that he's recording a video and he starts to melt it because you can see he's a Sandman. Oh, boy. Uh, and it's great. The starting line starts out, you must not watch this. And I'm like, why didn't I just turn it off then? He told me not to watch it. But John told me to watch it. So I had to watch it. <laughs> well, I thought it fit well in with your uh, your theme of uh, take the bad. <laughs> right. And this <laughs> is, you know, and it, 
it's funny because we're in, you know, we've been doing this show for a little while now. And, and, and yeah, you're the first one who I think of the guests that I've had that has followed that saying, here's a really bad. Some of them may have turned out to be bad, but I don't think anybody had plumped down and said, watch this bad episode. So, you know, what? I'm, I'm here for it. I, I like that. I'm totally on board. So just wait till I dump the episode loving monsters on you. Keep that in. <laughs> <laughs> That's Monster. Much- Monsters, monsters that you won't love. So, um, yeah, what uh, I, 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 I got nothing. <laughs> I've, I've kind of okay. expounded well, it all. So your turn. Yeah. So. All right. Well, I'm going to start out by saying that I actually really enjoyed this episode the first time we watched it for about the first two thirds of it. <laughs> um, but ultimately, when it didn't go anywhere. <laughs> Right. In circles. It felt like a giant waste of time. Um, I was not crazy about the Sandmen being the monsters, basically coming from like sleep in your eye, like the the little crust that you sleep so much, you're going to develop so much of that. It's going to become sentient and consume you. And, you know, it's not unlike Doctor Who to take something from your everyday and turn it into a scary monster or something. They've done that with statues, with weeping angels. They've done it right. with the little dust that floats in, in mm-hmm. sunlight. That those, those are actually living little Vashta Narada and they will eat you. And, Naturally. You know, stay out of the Hands up. That stuff really works. But these I didn't like so much. And I think if the story would have been tighter uh, and actually had a purpose um, for Doctor Who, and I'm gonna, I'll expand on that in a minute, um, there could have been something there. So here's a couple of things about this episode um, that it felt to me like it ended as a part one of a two-parter. It was unresolved. Like nothing got resolved. And it turns out um, that that was actually supposed to have a second part in series 10 that got scrapped. Um, so Mark, you wonder why. <laughs> yeah, Mark Gaddis is the one who wrote this episode. And he tends to have an episode or two every season of Doctor Who and he's very hit or miss um, but um, if you ever watch the show uh, Sherlock Charlie the Benedict Cumberbatch show Sherlock yeah I'm, Mark, I'm sure I've seen one or two Mark yeah. Gaddis plays the brother on Sherlock so he's pretty well known um, but his episodes are uh, not 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 the best in Doctor Who's world Um so it does seem like there was more to that story that was just abandoned. So in retrospect, it made this the episode to me even that much worse. Um, <laughs> right. Ultimately, what this ended up being, it was a very, oh, I don't know, I guess like a trial, a risky episode, just to try something very, Doctor Who had never done a found footage, had never done something like that. Um, it was a whole different break from format. Um, which was kind of why I liked it at the start because it felt so different and it mm-hmm. was kind of neat. You had that twist in the middle, um, you know, where you find out, well, oh, there are no cameras on this station. You're seeing things from people's point of view, but they don't have helmet cams on. It's like the, the sleep is actually watching you. It's it, that's where all the video feeds are coming from because there's no cameras anywhere, but yet you're seeing everything and you find out Clara has it. Cause she went inside that Morpheus tank at some point earlier in the episode. Um, so it's a little creepy in that way. Um, so there are a lot of little pieces there that, you know, you have the whole, we can, 
make you work more and maximize work and there's no time for sleep because we just pop you in here for 15 minutes and you can work for 23 hours. You know, you have that whole story. You've got um, all these little things that are kind of cool. You have, all right, even the villains, like I'm going to try to get this down to the planet so that we can spread this. Um, there's at least some semblance of a story there. Um, but what's funny is, I don't know if you caught it, but at least twice, maybe more, the, the doctor says a couple, this doesn't make any sense. You know, this doesn't make any sense. Um, mm-hmm. and, and even at the very end of the episode, it was like, okay, they, um, you know, are getting off of the, the ship and they're going to maybe prevent the spores from crashing into the, the planet or whatever. Yeah, I'm even a little confused on how that ends. But he's saying it makes no sense as he gets into the TARDIS. And it turns out, well, it's not supposed to make sense. Because at the very end, when that Rasmussen comes back on, you find out that he just concocted a Doctor Who story <laughs> right. that went nowhere to keep you watching, to try to make it exciting. He said, because he's been able to transmit the little signals of the little sleep monsters through whatever you're watching to you. Mm-hmm. So I had to keep you here for like 40 minutes so you could get everything to take hold. And now you're going to become Sandman just like us. Oh, but of course. So it's like, so they had a Doctor Who episode about how it's not really a Doctor Who episode that you're watching because it's Doctor Who, but it's going to turn you into a sand monster. And it's like, okay, kind of cool to try, but man, it did not work for me at all. I think it's my, <laughs> I think it's my second or third least favorite episode through the whole thing. Um, it's by far Capaldi's worst episode, I think. Um, not yeah. that he's bad, but I think it's his worst story he's stuck with. Um, yeah. All of his, his stuff. Um, but the one uh, thing that was kind of funny that I didn't catch until this last time I rewatched it um, was how Clara was very well versed on Morpheus and says, oh, you mean like the God of Dreams? And and I was like, oh, and she stars in Sandman with Morpheus later in life here on the Netflix show that just came out. She was in. Uh, Somebody was Sandman. watching. That is. So, it's okay. good. Put it Put it on your CV. It's good for it. Yeah, yeah it was just. Hey, I've done an episode with Morpheus, so I can be Johanna Constantine. So. There you go. It works perfectly. Yeah, there was just uh, there was nothing about this that really jumped out, and I was like, oh, okay, because it did feel very gimmicky. Uh, obviously, as you said, the monster of the week uh, kind of trope is very anemic in a lot of ways to Doctor Who. But yeah, the Sandman and the, that stupid song, and then they got the computer at the one point that wouldn't let the guy get through the door unless he sang the song. So just, the song. Let, just leave the damn, let, just let it go. You know, no, and bad. again, that's a song from like, what the hell was this like the 38th century or something? Yeah. Uh, so yeah, that's like, if uh, there's not even a comparison to like music that we would listen to, but yeah, the, I mean the sand, the sand monsters were kind of gross and the, 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 what are the soldiers uniforms look like some recycled band geek shit. I wrote it just, everything just seemed very cheap in this episode. Yeah. And I just, you know, I just I just didn't dig it. They had the corridors that remind you of like corridors on the Enterprise where they just keep walking around in a circle. And it's just it's like the the, the Western where the guy's riding a horse and he goes past the same rock like 50 times. It was kind of the same thing. Yeah. <laughs> so very, very happy to leave this one behind, you know, but yeah. it, it's good. It's it's a good balance to wedge this between two great two parters, which, you know, it started the season and the one that you mentioned that there was. Uh, there's a 12th episode, and, and I turned it off after the 11th episode we watched because I figured that was the season finale. But you're saying episode 12 
keeps the story going. Oh God, I have to tune back in. Yeah. Episode 12 uh, picks up where we left off. It's the 12 is the season ender and it wraps everything up. My goodness. It's worth the watch. (laughs) I will. I will do that. All right. Well, let's, let's jump into. No more about sleep. No more. (laughs) Yes. I've, I've slept it off. Um, (laughs) Unless you had something else brilliant to say about it. I'm sorry. No, I, I was scraping the the barrel. I was yes. scraping the bottom to think of something good to say. And, you know, you don't have to say anything good about it. You know, it is a bad episode. Right. Wow. You can just let let sleeping sandmen do their whatever. So that's OK. You can um, count on it. There's always a bad yes. one. Every series of Doctor Who, you've got a stinker. Sometimes yes. <laughs> it's yeah, it's kind of the certainly the same thing with any Star Trek, sometimes more than others, depending on which show you're watching. Like we, we don't talk about the animated series where uh, <laughs> in my parlance, oh my, the original animated series, the one from the 70s, which oh, I know some people love it, but yikes. Uh, so anyway, we're wrapping up the, the this, at least anyway, with with basically two great parts of something that's a third part that I've got to watch. But uh, episode 10 is face the Raven, dun, 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 which sounds like a prog rock album, you know, face the Raven, man. Um, yeah. From November of 2015. So the doctor in the, and Clara get a call from Riggsy, who I assume is an established character because they yeah, seem he very was in series eight in an episode. Yeah. Gotcha. So, and he's got, he's got a, a wife and a baby and stuff, but he says, Hey, I woke up today. Uh, I don't know what happened yesterday. And I've got a, essentially a countdown clock tattooed on the back of my neck. I was like, oh, okay. That's a little weird. So by hook or by crook, they're, they're kind of helping him figure out where he came from because he doesn't remember, but they're able to use some wizard wizarding logic to find a, a trap street, which Clara goes all the way through and explains the, the map methodology of a trap street. I was like, oh, it's hidden, but then it's, you know, it, it was laid down and then went over and blah, blah, blah. So anyway, they found basically this Diagon Alley kind of spot in present day London that just has a lot of alien refugees. Um, and they find out that Riggsy was sentenced to death by a dude named me. I didn't even catch his name, but he looks like it's funny because all the guys look like Cockney boot blacks, you know what I mean? Including this dude with the big mustache and all this different stuff. Um, but anyway, he, the, the, the mayor sentenced him to death uh, for uh, because he was found over the, of what appeared to be a dead body uh, of a character, Anna. Um, and uh, he will be when the clock runs down, killed by an alien raven. Uh, and the clock running on his neck is called a chronolock. And when it hits zeros and it's time for him to die. And we do see an example of this with someone else, uh, who was a criminal and his clock ran down and they try to run from the Raven, but the Ravens, it's like the rhythm. It's going to get you. Um, so, but Clara does figure out talking, uh, talking to Riggsy, uh, and talking to the other aliens that the chronolock can be transferred to a willing recipient. And, um, uh, finds out that yeah, a willing recipient can take it, but because me, the mayor, and that's I thought you, she had some other name, but that's Maisie Williams' character, right? Yeah. Um, so her name is a shielder. Um, okay. Earlier in series nine, that's her name. They encounter her in a Viking village. She's the character that the doctor makes immortal, right? Um, in, in an effort to save her. Um, And so there's a couple of episodes, middle of series nine, that weren't part of what we watched. You know, we had to limit. Um, Mm -hmm. The the real short version is she lives for centuries and she has a a human memory. So she Mm -hmm. can't remember things. So she writes things down. She keeps diaries, but she's kind of lost who she is over all these years. She Uh just goes by me at this point because she's not a shield. Now I I get it. Anyone who is gone and 
in, in right. So she just she is... had her gone and so gotcha. Gotcha. Paid. Yeah. So she goes by me at this point. Right. So at anyway, um, the the body of the woman that Riggsy apparently killed is in a stasis pod. They find a way to unlock it. And uh, amongst these aliens are actually it's a it's a Shuri from Black Panther is the in is the daughter of this telepath that they thought was dead. They managed to free her. Um, but by this point, um that uh, by this point, the chronolock has run down. It's on the back of Clara's neck. Clara thinks she's going to be spared because they're under me's protection, but me can't remove it. And Clara dies. The Raven kills her. Ah! And Clara, you know, her dying, her dying wish before getting, you know, before getting, you know, the life sucked out of her by this Raven, the Raven actually turns into, Smoke and it goes in you, and then it sucks your soul out your mouth. Oh my god! Um, but this whole thing was this whole thing was a setup, and obviously we're going to get into this in point two. Uh, that me orchestrate all of this to put a, a, a trans, uh, basically a transporter uh, lock stuck to the doctor's wrist to transport him somewhere. Um, so Clara dies, and then he gets transported away, and that's the end of part one. And I was like, she's not really going to die. I was, I was stunned that she actually got killed because I didn't know. I had watched some Doctor Who before because you and Todd and I years ago did, uh, you know, give me five episodes of my favorite something, and we watched it. So we, we watched, like, five Buffies. We watched five episodes of TNG, and we watched five Doctor Who. But I never knew anything about how Clara died, and I don't, I don't feel like we ever watched any of these episodes back in those days. So these all felt super fresh to me. But I was, um, I, I couldn't believe they actually killed her off. I was super bummed. Yeah, that, um, that episode, you know, critically or in the fandom, Clara is kind of divisive because some people thought that she became too much the focus of the show. So there was this. You know, there was even a joke. It was the show had become Clara Who instead of Doctor Who. And oh boy, I get that to a point, but they kind of, I also think that's kind of missed that that was the whole purpose, not purpose, but like her character development was she wanted to become more and more like the doctor. She craved that lifestyle. And as she stayed in the show through series eight and all through series nine, she's becoming more risky. She's taking more risks. She's trying to be as clever as the doctor and thinking, well, this always turns out okay. You always assume the doctor will survive. So I'll just act like the doctor, you know, but what she doesn't have is she doesn't have, um, you know, she's not a time Lord. She's a human, you know, she doesn't have the knowledge that he has over the thousand plus years he's been alive. You know, she doesn't fully understand the workings or the rules of a chronolog that, well, that, of course, I'm like, talking like as if we would. I mean, it's just but the chronolog, of course. But, you know, there are, have been examples of she's been getting too risky and doing things too much, and there's little allusions to it in the preceding episodes. Even in in this episode, when you know when she's scanning for the trap street, you know, hanging out of the TARDIS, and she's almost going to fall out of it. And she's laughing, and having a good time, and and Riggsy says, "I think she enjoyed that too much," and. Um, the doctor says to her just offhandedly, he goes, yeah, it's becoming a problem. You know, it's like, he's realizing mm-hmm. she's becoming too much like him mm-hmm. um, and it's going to turn out badly at some point, but he can't bring himself to stop it because that's his companion. That's, you know, who he's with right now. And he doesn't like being alone, um, but she's really playing with fire. Um, and this episode got to that point. So what I was saying is some people were glad 
that they actually killed her because Boo! You know, lame. You know, okay, finally now you can move on to be the doctor. Um, but also they only had ever killed one companion um, oh. in the history of the show, like literally killed them. So it's also something that doesn't happen very often. Um, so there was this mix of, well, that was pretty surprising for sure. Right. Big time. Um, uh, so that, you know, kind of, I don't know. It. Some people were, like I was saying, some people were happy. Some people weren't. I thought the episode was great. I love the last 15, 20 minutes of that episode. Oh, God, yes. Hard, yeah. You know, and right. even, even you have probably only seen about four or five episodes total ever with Peter Capaldi mm-hmm. and Jenna Coleman, but I mean, they right. killed that ending part of them, you know, right. like what was going to happen. And even after, you know, she faces the Raven and the doctor goes back in there. I mean, that is where Peter Capaldi is like, I am the actor who owns this role. I'm the best actor this show's ever had when he's telling me the reason Clara, you know, told me to, you know, forgive or, or whatever. Cause that wasn't for her. It was for she was saving you because yeah, because I'm a, a I'm gonna fuck boy. you up. <laughs> you got to stay out of my way and yeah, you know, no shit. He's all yeah. So this uh, episode um, is not one of my favorites because I don't enjoy it, but the last twenty minutes are so good. And it's so it's like how good these people are. It's more like you don't like it, but perhaps you respect it in a certain way. Like you respect what they accomplished. I mean, that. Yeah. I, yeah. I didn't see it coming. I didn't yeah. see it coming in, se- in episode 10 of the se- season. I didn't see it coming. Now, um, I'm not going to spoil too much for you if you haven't seen episode 12, but there is some wibbly wobbly timey whiny stuff that they do where. And that's what I kept hoping for in episode 11. You know, I'm like, oh, she's not really dead because they're going to do something. Watch episode 12, Carly. Watch episode 12. I will. I bet I I won't have time today. No, Uh, this bonus episode that one day, it's a good watch. It's just as good. I mean, it's not as good as episode 11, which is like the the ultimate. But it's. and and it was just it was just absolutely wow. What else did I have? Anything else in my? I think we covered everything that I had. Um, but yeah, it was just that was that was a tough one to kind of. So yeah, Maisie Williams. I was like, what 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 what? And I love the all the aliens were the Cockney boot blacks, and they basically were in Diagon Alley. Oh, this was the, this was an obvious set because when the dude, the other guy who's going to get chased down by the Raven, runs, I'm like, yeah, they just keep running him back and forth in front of the same storefront. I'm like, you know, you got to save a couple of bucks somewhere. Well, I totally you got to do. Um, yeah. You know, but one other thing I'm going to say here, uh, Clara, when she's leaving the doctor, when she's like, all right, I'm going to die. You're going to be alone. She she has some various catchphrases that she's pulled with her. Not really catchphrases, but things that she said when she started on the show with with Matt Smith, you know, run, you clever boy and remember me. Um, she says to Peter Capaldi here, don't be a warrior, be a doctor. You know, when you're on your own, don't take revenge. She also tells uh matt smith that same thing when something's i forget the exact details in series seven yeah don't be a warrior be a doctor you know so you know she's got a couple of a good you know they pull the heartstrings a little bit with you know things that you refer back to like the good times or her, her fun her fun things that she says um you know and you know all jokes aside um i really do enjoy the character of clara because She's not just a companion. She takes it too far. She tries to become more and more clever and more and more like the doctor, where other companions really didn't. You know, there's she was, less of a. She was more of a foil. Who you saying? Yeah, like she was, yeah. The danger of mm-hmm. if you let someone travel with you too long, 
they're going to try to become more and more like you. And yeah. What's interesting is in series 10, the doctor kind of takes those lessons forward with him and has a different sort of relationship with the next companion to kind of keep the distance. Gotcha. Um, because he doesn't want to go through that again. Um, gotcha. So he learns. It's really just part one of, uh, you know, three parter. <laughs> right. 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 Oh my goodness. Yeah. Now I feel, now I, I, I almost feel like we should talk about the last one, but that's okay. All right. <laughs> let's, let's wrap this up uh, in an episode that I thought was nuts. And I, I tell you, I didn't figure out what the hell was going on. Um, but, but I love the way it ended. So anyway, uh, episode 11 of the series is heaven sent. And again, this is Stephen Moffat. So you can, you can always tell it was always kind of that way in Star Trek when you're like, Oh, they brought in a big one. So it's written by like one of the big three, like one of the big creatives of that particular series. You, you exactly. know, you were going to season openers, season yeah. openers, you know. Yeah, you're going to get you're going to get somebody who really, you know, knows what the hell they're doing. They know the characters and they know they know how to write the show. So anyway, the, the the doctor we know teleported away at the end of the episode. We didn't know where he was going, and he's in a chamber in a castle, and he starts getting followed around by this creature with big, you know, big uh, lizard claws. And he, you know, he, I mean, wants to catch up with him and kill him. He's guessing, but uh, you know, after it says, but discovers after giving a confession of some kind, the creature will temporar- temporarily retreat, and the castle starts to move. It goes full like M.C. Escher. Things are changing around and doing all this different stuff so the, the doctor is running around throughout this castle you know trying he's investigating clues trying to figure out what's going on and he ends up in a room where he finds a wall made of asbantium a mineral harder than diamond and he realized he's been doing this for seven thousand years which hey you know what you, you know use the fact that you've got an angel's character to, to make some time go by i get it um when he gets that and then from his other clues he he tries to keep breaking the wall and punching it and then the but the creature comes up behind him and kills him but or it morally wounds him it says here but then he crawls back through the appeared in and he sacrifices himself as the configuration resets and he beams back and the whole thing starts over again and he keeps going through it and going through it and it's hundreds of years and it's thousands of years and it's millions and it's billions of years and he keeps punching the wall and you're seeing in this last 10 minute segment the wall he's just he's getting through He's after millennia, he's getting through, he's getting through. And then he finally breaks through the wall in this, that current iteration after I believe it is, you know, 2 billion years or 10 billion years or something like that. And breaking through the wall makes the creature scuttle off. Um, He steps through um, what was behind him turns into a little disc, which is the little little, little gears and stuff, which we've seen throughout the the series is what uh, the the episode that makes the, uh, makes the castles shift around and everything happen. And he's back home on Gallifrey and it's eons from now because that's how much time has passed. And there's some kids standing by and it's kind of like the end of a, of a Christmas carol, like boy, get me the biggest goose in London. And so he's all badass, And he tells the kid, he says, go tell the time Lords I'm back. And he, I know what you did. And that's the end of the episode. Holy crap. I could not, I absolutely, for the life of me, could not figure what the hell was going on. But by the time we got the end of it, I'm like, holy shit. This really emphasizes everything that's great about a, a, a timeless character is that he can do all this, go all this way forward. The story will continue. And then whatever it is that happens in the next episode is all timey-wimey and, and, and woozle-wuzzle and all that kind of good stuff. So, Yeah. 
I dug it. But yeah, tell you, give, give me, give me the, the, the master's perspective here. Not Missy, but you, you're the master. Right. Not her. Unless, <laughs> unless you regenerated, which I just, you know, and I'm not going to say one's better than the other, but whatever. I wouldn't mind sometimes. Oh. <laughs> Ooh. Uh, you know, so this episode, I mean, this is, like I, I say it's, it's the, the high point of the show to me. I don't think the show has gotten better since this episode. I think this, this one, I remember vividly watching it when it came out that, you know, we watched it on the day it was broadcast. It was stunning to me, this episode. It's essentially a one man show for 40 something minutes. It's all Capaldi showcasing him as just this powerhouse, amazing actor. He commands the, he has no dialogue with anybody except that little kid in the last like 30 seconds of the show. It, and you are, you're just mesmerized by this episode. It just holds you because you try to figure out the mystery too. Um, and I remember watching it, not understanding it, being stunned when you finally figured out what was happening and what it was. And the the music that they play under it, the uh, the literary piece that he keeps, the little story he talks about, the bird going to the mountain to sharpen its beak and how long is a second in eternity. And then it starts going round and round, you know, with all these cuts showing you him doing these things over and over again, that it's him being able to figure this out every single time. And he has to die every single time and then go back and, you know, the, the, the episode opens where he shows up in that teleport, like where he was mm-hmm. sent. That there's like a copy of him in that teleport that if he can put some energy into it, that he can kind of like reboot essentially, except, you know, the new rebooted version has no idea of what's happened. So he does the discovery like billions of times, right? Break through this wall. And just that alone is like, wow. Mm-hmm. Trying to wrap your mind around what that what that is that he just going and configuring it. And I mean, you know, did he you know cut certain steps out over time, or did he have to go through the whole episode? So was it you know billions of segments of you know forty two minutes of his time running around and having to figure, or did he remember things, or did not? But but he always kept his purpose, you know, in going back and still punching the wall, and I guess punching it. 50 billion trillion times is enough to, to break through it. And it was just, yeah, it was just, it was nuts. It was very next level kind of stuff to me. And then there are two or three parts or times in the episode where it looks like he's about to to be killed by this creature. Right. And Mm -hmm. right before he gets killed, they kind of zoom off into him and the TARDIS showing off, you know, it's like in this, in this fraction of a second or two, in real time, when the monster's about to get him, he kind of walks through, how am I going to get out of this? And he goes through this right. procedure, and he's got in his mind, he's picturing Clara helping him on the chalkboard, mm-hmm. helping him, like, not who's doing this, but why, or, or not why, but who, and, right. you know, what are you going to do to win? You know, always trying to figure this out. So it reminded me of Sherlock going into his mind palace when he would try to think mm-hmm. things out on that show, which, of course, Moffat did that, too. So there's a little right. bit of you know, similarity there, but it was fun to kind of see how he would go through the explanation. And it was fun when you would, 
you know, when he jumps out that window, he goes through the, all those things. You know, he's throwing the, the petals off a flower. He drops the little uh, magnifying glass thing. And then he goes in this whole explanation. Every single thing he did had a purpose. You know, I'm measuring the air density. I'm measuring how strong gravity is. I'm listening to see how long for the stool hits the water. And you see, you know, when he falls in the water, you have all those skulls. And he's like, oh, I'm not the only prisoner here. And then there's this one scene where when he finally opens the door to room 12, which is the room he figures out I've got to get to, and the, and the brick wall is there, and he's, he's, he's lost, and he turns around, he says something like, run out of corridor, uh, the story of my life. You know? Yeah, right. Yeah, no, I like that. But then the, the frame, you know, kind of changes from his face to that skull on the ledge, and it's like, that's a framing piece of, oh, it's showing you, well, this is him. This is him over and over and over. And he's only been the only prisoner here. And, you know, it turns out ultimately that he's been trapped in his confession dial. That's where he gets teleported to. He's sent there by the Time Lords because the Time Lords want to know what he knows about the hybrid, which is that mm, yes. McGuffin, McGuffin that's been there all series long. But every time he confesses something, the confession dialer resets because they got a confession, but it's not the one they want. And he keeps refusing the one that they ultimately want. Um, right. And then once, once he gets through all that, uh, well, whatever diamond wall, or I don't know if it's Bantium's real or sci-fi made up, but sure. Why not? <laughs> I don't know. I'm not, a, I, I don't know that stuff, but once he gets through there and you realize where he was, the big reveal was that he was on Gallifrey, which was a shocking reveal for people at the time that told gotcha. we're actually right. on Gallifrey and bringing in the Time Lords. And this is a big step. Um, you know, when he, he says the thing at the end of the episode um, that the, the hybrid is me. Mm-hmm. You know, the one that would rise to conquer Gallifrey, the hybrid is me. He's not actually meaning himself. He believes that it's me, Mayor Me, a shielder, Ooh. a girl who's become a hybrid because she was a human that's also been made immortal. Right. So, but it's kind of one of those, you hear it and you think, oh, the doctor's going to go conquer Gallifrey. No, doctor's not. He knows it's yeah. not him. Right, <laughs> right. I just, I, I'm, I, I, now I just need to know. Yeah. How is it? But, but she was the one who, who set him up or got set up by the time Lord just said, Oh God, and I see now I got to see it. Now I got to see it. I got to know. I got to know. It's mystifying. Yeah. Um, so yeah, she was working with the time Lords to get him sent there. Um, yeah. So, you know, I think it was more or less, I don't remember the details. Cause I haven't watched episode 12 in a while. I'm going to watch it again, probably this weekend. Just to finish okay. it. Cause I don't know. I can't watch 10 and 11, not watch 12. I mean, you just can't do well, it. Well, I would think, yeah, if you're, if it's a three parter, you don't watch two thirds of it. It's just, no, I totally yeah. get it. But yeah. Mean, but it's great. It's like, and I would say 11's a little bit, but 11's better than 12. 12 is a good, a good ending. Um, yeah. But 11 is the high point. 11 is the one that just it, it blew you away. That was one of the few episodes that, was either nominated or was up for an Emmy for Dr. Who. Oh, wow. Um, wow. Because it was fantastic. Um, I can't, there's probably this episode and then Blink with David Tennant. Mm-hmm. Two-parter with David Tennant called uh, Human Nature, Family of Blood. That's pretty much it. Those are like the best episodes in all of New Who to me. Mm-hmm. This one probably is the best episode of all of them. Yeah. Um, but it's, it, 
it's kind of it's kind of hard to watch to get the full effect if you haven't seen some of the stuff leading up to it. But if you took an episode and said, you know what, this is what this show can be. This is what it can right. do. And if you can just watch that episode, you can kind of just watch that episode by itself, even though you miss out on a little bit of what's really happening. Yeah. You can see just how good it can be. Right. Right. Well, yeah, yeah totally. It's creepy with the flies and it's like, oh, you know. Yeah. It's like you can you can run, it'll walk. If you rest, it doesn't stop. It's like right. it's always going to come. And you right. I think he said at one point that he timed it, that if he drew the creature to one end of the castle and ran all the way to the other, he had like 80 minutes or something. 80, 88, 82 minutes or something like that. Yeah. It was a so number, that's yeah. how much time I have to sleep or how much time I have to eat or how much, you know, right. that's it. And you think, well, shoot, he's been doing that for you. So you don't know how long he's in that castle and right. iterations doing it. But, you know, it's been like, they were thinking about like 2 billion years or something. By the right. End. So it's crazy. Oh um, my goodness. And you never see it. You, you never see a bathroom or food supply, so you don't know where he's getting either one of those. But yes, it's timey wimey. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. What is he eating? You know. Yeah. Exactly. Yeah. What are you eating over two billion years? Oh my gosh. Well, holy cow! This has been this has been amazing, and I, I'm, I'm excited that I got you uh, back uh, here. I'm excited, you know, to have this kind of specialized content for for our Patreon listeners. So, as always, thank. Uh, thank to them. John, I won't even ask you where people find you because I know you're kind of a non-entity on social media, which I appreciate. That's totally cool. Um, but we're, we're going to keep this going. We're definitely going to, this is going to be built in, uh, I hope, into the rotation um, of some of the other shows that you're going to hear. You've already heard us talk, talk about Buck Rogers. You've heard us talk about uh, Battlestar Galactica, and we've got a lot of stuff coming up for you as well. So this has been awesome. John, thank you for doing this with me. Um, and we Thanks will come back. Doctor Who, Charlie. <laughs> it was great. It was great. I guess I, I just I needed a, I needed a push. I needed motivation, and that's what we have here. So, all right, cool. Patreons, once again, thank you for joining us, uh, and we will see you next time. I always say, sharing is caring. Keep on trucking.